0: hey y'all welcome back to the podcast it's been uh, i don't know how long it's been but it's been a while and uh, this is a revelation of jesus christ episode this is part two and i want to read to you um uh, from the book of revelation just the prologue the intro from the book of revelation the the book itself it's is called the the revelation of jesus christ and uh, this is what it says The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, capital H, to show to his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler up over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Behold, he is coming on the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because, because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I John both your brother and companion in, in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the for the word of God for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day I think that's Sunday and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and sent to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. When I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes uh, like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell dead at his feet. I fell as if dead at his feet. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He who lives and was dead, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and I have the keys to death and Hades. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are, and the things which are to take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus letting himself know. Known to his church. Jesus wants us to know him. God wants us to know him. Come on, let's go. So we begin this. This, these, these episodes last year. Um, I remember I, I started the revelation of Jesus Christ when I first recorded it. It was right after I, I think, I had done Psalm 139. And the Lord just told me, Delete that, you're redoing that, you're restarting that. Little did I know that it was going to turn into this thing where I was going to do three episodes and talk about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, today, uh, today's episode is called Son of God, Son of Man son of god son of man but before we get into the episode i want to i want to talk about where life's been and what's up with me that's always kind of hard to explain but um over the past couple of weeks i've been back at school and man it's been intense very hectic and i've been like oh man when can i get a break but you know what i love is that even even as that happens even as even as that has has been happening even as as I've gone back to school even as I'm going through the valley I, I don't know I don't even know if I'm still in the valley or not but even as the enemy attack the war the 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 war rages on it's like whoa even as that is happening I, what I love is this that the lord is with me and uh, i get to be the closest with the lord i've ever been i get to be the closest with the lord i've ever been and uh, you know what you know one song that's really just it's just one of those songs that stuck out it's been the holding on song the song holding on you probably heard the the chorus it was like i'm holding on to you i'm holding on to you i'm holding on to you and only You probably heard that one, but we, we finished the whole song and every time I sing it, I'm like, I'm amazed because I'm like, whoa, this is what God had in mind when he started it. It started one night we were in prayer and the Lord just showed me, I don't know if it's a vision or not, or like in my mind, he showed me that I was sitting on the floor in our living room with a guitar and just playing, and I just started playing the chord progression D A E minor G D A E minor G, and uh, it just it just was born there. That's where the song was born. It was born in the presence of God. It's it's amazing, but I think that I think I, th- I think that's not very descriptive, um. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And uh, right now, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get from the Lord as much as possible. As for the war with lust, um, I'd say, you know what, I'm healing. And many times have I been healing and then, boom. But I'm healing, I can really, I feel myself healing. I feel myself healing. I feel my mind being reprogrammed from, from all that junk. I just, I just feel the truth in my heart the truth setting in and I just see strongholds are being undone at the foundation it's amazing what the Lord is doing. And to explain what the Lord is doing in my life, it would be it would be really it would take a long time, I'm telling you. To just get descriptive, it would take a long time. But this is a revelation of Jesus Christ and every time I make these episodes I get a restlessness in my heart. I just get so excited that I, I gotta I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. The Lord excites me. The Lord tells me, You gotta do it, you gotta do it. And I'm like, Okay, Lord, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do this and that's how that's how that's how these episodes go. And so yesterday I was just, yesterday was Sunday, the Lord's Day. And uh, all of yesterday, you know, every day I've been attacked by the enemy. How, in what sense. But I would say, I would say my mental health has a direct correlation with, the, with my spiritual state. Um, my mental health, how I feel is directly related to what's going on in the spiritual. What I mean by that is that if for example let's say I'm depressed not it's not all it's not necessarily always the case but that that would be the cause because of what am I thinking? And what am I thinking? How how am I thinking that? It's all in the battlefield of the mind and it's all spiritual but the battlefield is in the mind. And <laughs> yesterday actually I felt myself I felt my mental health deteriorating and When you feel something in your mental health, those are just the symptoms. And so I decided, okay, let me... I actually need to stick to God. I actually need to hold on to Him. I actually need to get into His presence. So yesterday, I just took up my Bible and I stayed in the presence of God all day. It was... I'm telling you, for real, I was in heaven. It was in heaven. I felt... It felt like heaven. I felt like I was high on the mountaintop. It was awesome. And that's where... I, I was writing out of Psalm twenty-seven and the Lord. So then as I did that, I was studying Psalm twenty-seven. I, I was studying Psalm twenty-seven. All of Psalm twenty-seven and I finished it. I was meditating on it. And it was it was just amazing as the Spirit gave me revelation. And then the Spirit just remind he reminded me of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The episode Love Made Flesh. I already had a title, Son of God, Son of Man. And uh and and I just started. I just started and He led me and I just, it was amazing to see the spirit lead me from me knowing nothing to him giving me all of this, all of this aim. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let's go. So the first thing we're going to talk about is an in-between. This is between his deity and his humanity. This, it's an in-between. We're going to talk about his deity and his humanity, but this is part one, which is the deity of Jesus. I mean, the deity and the humanity of Jesus. And in this, we find one of the most important things ever. his compassion. Mark 6, verse, verse 34 says, when Jesus w- And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep without having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. This is a definition of the word compassion. (laughs) I looked it up in my dictionary and it says, Compassion is a deep awareness and sympathy for another's suffering. Definition number two, the humane quality of understanding the suffering of others and wanting to do something about it, which is the synonym is pity. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. God is is a compassionate God. It's just who he is. Love is who he is. He's very compassionate and he really, really cares about us. So deep that we cannot understand. We cannot explain. And I want to read to you something else from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, which is a good news, of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And this is my commentary on it. This piece of scripture sounds really familiar. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth through the Holy Spirit and and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This was what Jesus was doing, preaching the good news, healing the sick, doing good wherever he went. Who was he ministering to? A broken world, a hurting world, scattered sheep. That is who we are without Christ. We are hurting, broken, scattered, and harassed people. We all need Jesus. Without him, we're helplessly harassed sheep. Without Jesus, we're nobodies. We need to, by the Spirit, come to the revelation that we live in a broken world and only Jesus can fix it. We're helpless without him. We can't rescue ourselves out of suffering and will cause others more suffering. But then then comes Jesus, the Servant King. He comes preaching a good news, a plan for salvation, preaching redemption, revealing to a broken world the love of a loving Father. There's something about Jesus loving us in our brokenness, in our shame, in our... Sin, it's a liberating gospel of grace. You will never deserve it, but he's already given it to you. Unlimited, free of charge. Then Jesus saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion. He felt their pain. They were like sheep without their shepherd, mistreated, lost, and confused. Our God is a compassionate God. It's just who he is. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. Compassion is who he is. Compassionate is our God. And Jesus, when he saw the multitude, he was greatly moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. He began to feed them of the pastures of the word of God. He began to teach them of the good news of the gospel. Jesus went about, Everywhere, doing good, healing the sick and all that were oppressed of the devil. He went about doing good, preaching the good news, healing the sick and setting, setting the captives free. All that were oppressed of the devil. He went about everywhere. Because he had compassion for all these. Jesus has compassion for the hurting. He has compassion for you. And compassion is a deep awareness and sympathy for another's suffering. Number two, definition number two is a humane quality of understanding the suffering of others and wanting to do something about it. Our God understand, uh, understands us more than we ever could ourselves. He knows us more than we know ourselves. He understands our suffering. He understands our weaknesses. He understands us. And what hurts us hurts him. It, it hurts him to see him, to see us hurting. It hurts him to see Hurting people. Hurting. It hurts him to see a broken world trying to solve their own problems and just failing miserably. It hurts him to see all the hurt and all the brokenness. When God sees the world, God looks with compassion. He looks and he has compassion on the world. He looks and he knows. He knows a solution. He is their solution. But he understands them. Even when people don't, he understands us. Even when people don't understand us, he understands our pain. He understands what, what you're going through. He understands all that you're facing more than you understand yourself. He understands you, and God really, really hates it when we when we mistreat other people, which is why I which is why I I I know for a fact that we have no right to misrepresent Christ because we Christ is embodied in us and we have no right to misrepresent Christ wherever we go. We are to show love to everyone. We are to preach this gospel and we are to show the sympathy and the love of God to a broken world because only love can heal. Only love can reach into all, all, can, into all the dark holes in which people are hidden under only the love of god can do that only the love of god can do that and i want to say that god sympathizes with you as for me i got to taste of god's sympathy and of god's compassion when when i when at first when i when i got in bondage to pornography and with and to lust um i just remember the lord i remember in those dark dark nights it's not necessarily it's not necessarily night but those dark dark nights dark dark valleys i remember the lord i remember his voice i remember him speaking to me speaking to me and comforting me speaking to me and loving me speaking to me and being there for me speaking to me and being there with me when i when i was all alone I was all alone with God, all alone with God. God has always sympathized and has always had compassion on me, even when I didn't deserve it. That's the liberating message of grace. That's what it's all about. That's what his love is is all about. And that's why I want you to understand that God understands what you're going through. He understands he understands you more than anybody else. He understands you more than you understand yourself. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. There's this thing that God says to me about 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 the things that about the things I care about, and He says I care about it more than you care about it. And uh, it just gets to me that how could you care about me? How could you care about all these things? You are God Almighty you're the creator of the universe who has lived from eternity from eternity to eternity who has no beginning and who has no end how could you care about me so much god cares deeply about you god understands you i want you to know that whatever you're going through you've got the approval you've got the approval of god this is what god said to you, said to jesus you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? And do you know that we are the body of Christ? So we're so we're now in Christ. So therefore that applies to us. And God is speaking to you, He's speaking to me. And He says, You are my beloved Son, you are my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. When I went into the wilderness, I I had sinned, but God gave me this verse. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Even in our failures, God still says to us, You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. God is well pleased with us. And God sympathizes with us. I want to tell you and I want you to know for a fact that God understands you. He understands you. He feels you. He knows what you're going through. He understands you. He gets it. He gets it. He's not out of reach. He's not so high and mighty that he won't that he'll barely listen to you. He's listening. Do you know how much God cares for you? Psalm 139 says that how precious also are your thoughts towards me, O God. If I would count them, they would be more in number than the sands of the sea. God is lingering to listen to your every word. When you pray, God is lingering to listen to your every word. That's how much God cares about you. Now, let me show you another one. John 11, verse 33, 34, 35, and 36. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, that is Mary, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. One translation, TPT when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered, shook with emotion, and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. Another, the AMP, says, he was deeply moved in spirit to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death and was troubled. Now back to the NKJV, which says, and he said, where have you, have you laid Which means, where have you buried him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him? Jesus wept. I'm going to ask a simple question. Why did Jesus weep? And I'm going to answer that. Jesus did not weep because Lazarus was dead. Jesus wept because they were weeping. Let's go back. I'm going to show you because it's so amazing how we read over this. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered, shook with emotion, and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. Jesus didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. Remember, Jesus intentionally—if you read John eleven—Jesus intentionally delayed his coming. His coming over. He wanted to raise Lazarus to, from the dead, but when he saw Mary weeping, the AMP goes to amplify to amplify it, saying he was deeply moved in spirit to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death. Jesus was deeply moved because they were deeply moved, because they were weeping, because Mary was weeping, and because they were weeping, he was weeping. Not because he couldn't raise him from the dead, he knew he was going to do that, but because he had sympathy and compassion, because he felt their pain, because they felt hopeless, and he just was moved because of how. Of the suffering they felt the hopelessness they felt at the fact thinking that Lazarus was gone he was moved because they were moved his heart was broken because their hearts were broken God's heart is broken when your heart is broken God feels the pain you feel way more than you do way more than you do God feels our pain he understands our weaknesses. He understands you more than you understand yourself. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. And I'm going to read to you a few other verses which have which deal with the compassion of Jesus. Matthew 9, verse 2 and 6. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic, a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are are forgiven you. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Verse six, then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go home. Matthew, no, it's Mark chapter five, verse 32 to 34. And he looked around to see her who had had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, and Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction, of your suffering. Go in peace and be healed of your suffering. Jesus, all throughout the Bible, has always had compassion for the lost, for the broken, for the oppressed, for those that are in bondage, for those that are in suffering, for those that are in pain. Jesus understands. He rejoices when you rejoice. And he feels the pain that you feel way more than you do. He understands you way more than you do yourself. He has compassion. Our God, God Almighty, our Father, is a compassionate God. Jesus says, I do as my Father does. So this tells us that the Father is a compassionate God. And he tells us that the Spirit too is compassionate. Our God, three in one is compassionate, and he cares about us deeply more than we care about ourselves. So the next part of the revelation that we're going to talk about is the humanity of Jesus, and we're just going to cover one part. We're just going to cover the temptations of Jesus. We're going to cover how he was tempted, just as we are, how he went through similar experiences that we do, and yet he handled them differently. So let's go. Temptation is a big part of being human, and uh, this part, the temptations of Jesus Christ and the temptation of Jesus Christ when He was human, is just going to help us to understand uh, just, how, just how human Jesus was, just how He relates to us and how He knows what we go through. He knows. He understands. Sometimes we, we think that God does not understand because He's so high and He's God, but the fact is God understands. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be in a human body with a human mind. He knows. He understands. So let's continue. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Then Jesus, being being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil and you skip forward and it says and Jesus said to him it has been said you shall not tempt the lord your god to whom was Jesus referring to himself or the father first of all god is not satan's god ezekiel 37 verse 27 says i will be their god and they shall be my people so god becomes someone's god when they are in covenant with god and satan is not in covenant with god so Jesus obviously was referring to his God. He was referring to the Father. Jesus had submitted himself to the Father. And he said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He was referring to himself when responding to Satan, saying that you shall. it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So now, let's go forward. So Jesus was referring to his God because Satan is not in covenant with God. Now the Bible says, verse 13, now when Satan is, had finished His temptation, he departed from him until an an opportune time. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, in every way, tempted as we are, yet without sin. The point that I'm trying to make here is that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. He went through experiences like we do. So the point is, Jesus understands what you're going through. He felt what you feel. He, 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 under, he went through the temptations that you go through. He was tempted in every way. Imagine he has all this that he has to accomplish, all this purpose to do. And then do you think that the devil would have let him go just like that? So Jesus was tempted in every way, with every single thing, every single thing you can imagine, like, Satan threw everything at him. And I found that, like, we're tempted, like, very often, like, every day, we're tempted with all sorts of things, whether it's how you react in a certain situation, or or just what you do. Basically, I'm saying the, the same thing, but we're tempted Every day, and Jesus was tempted every day, just imagine dealing, having to deal with the Pharisees who are just hypocrites, who are just hypocrites. They like to be seen, and they're teachers of the law, like, air quote, teachers of the law, air quote, teachers. What kind of teachers do not show the example of humility? Yet Jesus was the servant king. So the point here is, Jesus was tempted I personally have my own temptations. Like, I'm tempted pretty much every day um, from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, whether it's tempted to think a certain thought, whether it's tempted to worry or tempted to just fear or tempted to just doubt God, to just have doubt and unbelief. In fact, part of the valley, I don't even know if I'm still in the valley, part of the valley that I was going through or am going through, like, I I don't know, I don't know. But part of the valley that I deal or dealt with is uh, doubt dealing with doubt, like doubt and unbelief. And, uh, I just, I just found it a bit hard to trust God. I was like, is it really God? Is it not God? Is it just me? Is it God who's with me? And may I just say that God has just always been like, I'm with you. I'm for you. I have not left you. I will never leave you. And, uh, I guess I'm tempted in those in those points, and sometimes I pass the the temptations of doubt because I've been tempted a lot with that. Tempted to just doubt the word of the Lord, not the word of God, but doubt what God is, what God has said to me, what God has spoken over me, over my life, what God is has told me, and very much, very much so, over the past month, because it's been like it's been intense. I was tempted uh, with just about everything and every time every time I believed uh, like the temptation was to was unbelief and doubt every time I every time I felt the temptation and I and I had unbelief and doubt I just felt so 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 I'm just going to say it, depressed so 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 anxious so so fearful so so worried but I'm thankful to God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, because God has just literally been there in every part of the temptation. And if you read the temptations of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that after that, angels came, and they ministered to him. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, angels came, and they ministered to him. And I guess every time that I'm tempted, God is there, and he ministers to me. And he just encourages me, God will let me go through temptation, because I still have free will. Let me just lay out how temptation works okay so this is how temptation works from this is a revelation that I got from God right so Satan cannot do anything in the life of one of the children of God or even tempt or even do anything without God's permission so he goes up to heaven with this whole thing like he plans to destroy like utterly destroy this whole thing up to God and and he asks for permission and do remember, we have a great high priest, and that's Jesus. And, and so because of our great high priest and the Holy Spirit who helps us pray, even, even in praying in tongues, and because we have that, the temptation is then lowered to something that we can bear, something that we can handle, and also something that can help us instead of destroy us, something that God can use to build us instead of what the devil intended to use it for, to destroy us. So that's how, that's how temptation comes in. So when we're tempted, God saw the opportunity. So that's why he allows it. He saw the opportunity to help us grow. I personally, in this time when I've just been tempted so much with doubt and unbelief, I just, I get to to be the closest with God I've ever been. I get to experience God more than I ever have. And I want to tell you something about doubt and unbelief. On December 1st, 2021 i remember well um i received the news that marcus lamb the head of one of the head of the Daystar television network it's a christian television network had uh, went to, had, had gone to heaven and when i received that i was like my world was shaken i was believing for a healing god how could this be god i was believing for a healing but in that I trusted you God how did you let me down like of course God doesn't let us down ever but I trusted you God I was be- I, I like I put my whole faith on the line I, and I was believing that you were gonna do something miraculous and all of a sudden out of nowhere I'm gonna tell you this is one of the darkest moments of my life so my my whole world is shaken and all of a sudden the devil is like rebel against God Rebel against God, rebel against God. Like, and not only that, but he's also. He then comes to say, God's not real. If God was real, then this wouldn't have happened. And uh, I know it sounds a certain way, but but I know I didn't believe it. But then a few seconds later, I was like, and just. I just a few seconds later, I was like, but what if? And then I just thought about all the other accounts of creation. I was like. What if all of this is real? What if there's no life after death? What if, what if, what if I was like, I was very stressed in those few moments, in those few seconds, I could not stand up. I could not just, I almost fell down on the floor. And then all of a sudden the spirit spoke to me and he said, do you hear how stupid that all sounds? And I was like, yeah, you're right. That does sound stupid. I realized that all other accounts of creation do not make sense in comparison to that. There is a God. It's the simplest and the most profound and the and the most logical answer to not just creation but to our whole existence. And and my faith was rebuilt on that. And thank goodness in in the, in, the, in those moments that we had finished the, I don't think we had finished it, but we had the Holy on song, and I was like in darkest nights when storms surround me (laughs) oh no i'm spoiling it but never mind but thank goodness there was god in that moment and i got to hold on to god even though everything i i pretty much knew was shaken so jesus was tempted just as we are and the next point i'd like to make in the temptation is that god cannot God cannot be tempted. James 1 verse verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God cannot be tempted. So that yet again shows us just how human Jesus, showing us once again just how human Jesus was when he was on earth. He was tempted. Let's reread James 1 verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Do know that God does not tempt us. God allows temptation because we have free will and he He lowers the temptation to something that we can handle so that we can exercise our free will because he's a God of Love, God cannot be tempted, showing us just how fully human God is. And back to Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, in every way, tempted as we are, yet without sin. Our high priest is our mediator between God and us. He's he's like he's standing before the throne of God. He understands us. So when he's out there before God, like doing the mediator thing and just interceding, he was interceding. He, he intercedes because he, he knows what we go through and he understands God. He knows this, the thoughts of God. He knows how to plead our case before God. He knows. He understands us. He was fully human, so he knows what you go through. He's not a God who looks down on you and and go like, how could you, how could you go through that? Like, how could you, how could you think that? Or how dare you doubt or how dare you be like this? But instead he understands and he sympathizes with us. He has compassion on us. The conclusion being he was fully man. And because he was fully man, he understands now what it is to be human. He understands what it is to be tempted as a human. And now let me read you something that is just, I just just—I just found it like kind of cute. This boy Jesus, fully God, fully man. <laughs> now listen to this. When the feast had finished, the, di- when, the fi- when they had finished the, the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the, in the company, they went in a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and, acquaint, and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, kind of like, he's a 12 year old. He's like, he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then they went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. So to conclude, Jesus is, was fully man. And because he was fully man, he understands what it is to be human. What it is to have human weaknesses. What it is to be tempted. What it is to have a human mind. He understands because he too was fully Human, he understands you. He understands us. The next part of the revelation that we're dealing that we're dealing with is Son of God. He is fully God. Jesus is the Son of God, and sometimes when he when he spoke of of himself as Son of Man, sometimes he meant Son of God, like God, Son of God. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is only God. Could forgive sins, and we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter nine, verse one to six, the story of a, of the paralytic. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own t- to his own city, and behold, they they brought him they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Son, be of good cheer; your sins are forgiven you." And at once some of them Some of the scribes said within them, This man blasphemes." But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, say, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go home. And he arose and departed to his house. So again, we find another person who was paralyzed because of his sin because in John chapter 5 there is also another one who was sick by the pull of I think Bethesda because of his sin so this man's I don't know parallelism could not be dealt with until his sin was dealt with and Jesus being the son of God had the power to forgive sins in verse 6 he says but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So because it was sin, this paralytic man could not be healed. But when Jesus forgave his sins, everything else, when he received Jesus' forgiveness, everything else fell into place. He said to him, Arise, take up your bed, and go home. So we see that Jesus, only God, has the power to forgive sins. Because we cannot, no human has the power to be above sins. But Jesus, because he is God, he has the right to forgive sins. And he forgave us, people undeserving. That's the love of God. That's how deep, that's how much he loves, that's how much he cares and he cares so much. He wants to do so much in our lives that I, I, I don't even think we can fathom how much, just how much he wants to do. The next point under this Jesus, the Son of God, is Jesus, the Son of God. So we're reading from John chapter 10, verse 32 to 39. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself, make yourself God. But Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods. If he call them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him, Whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought him again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. So here Jesus has publicly spoken publicly spoken that he is a son of God and they're about to stone him. They're saying, You're blaspheming again, you're blaspheming. But he was, but he answered to them, he speaks to them, The Bible does not the Bible say that you are God's? And uh, th- this can be this can, a lot of people can take this the wrong way, and 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 like a lot of people can take this two of the wrong ways. One of the wrong ways is. Oh, is in pride another is just go against what the Bible says we are children of God that's all we need to know we're just under God all under God but Jesus here just said that he is God he just said that he is the son of God and scripture cannot be broken second Tim, first Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 say who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one mediate, one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Again I read 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 and 5. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. Oh, this is so good. There is one God and one mediator. We're going to talk a bit more about that in the next episode. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, 15, and 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the, through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the Son of God, and only Jesus could reconcile us with the Father Only Jesus he says that I am the way the truth the life and no one goes to the father No one comes to the father except through him. Let's say hypothetically any person Who was who lived under the law their whole life and they did not sin according to the law? but there was just that one part that they were human and That there was sin they were they were born in the nature of sin there still was sin in them they could not reconcile us with the father because only jesus knows where their father is only jesus can connect us to the father because he is the son of god so let us therefore come boldly to, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace for our times of need our god has compassion on us, our God loves us, our God cares for us, our God sympathizes with us, our God desires relationship with us. This is the revelation of God that He is the Son of God who understands our humanity, and the Son that He is a Son and this He is the Son of Man who understands our humanity, and the Son of God who understands God and who is able to reconcile us with God. The Son of Man who understands our humanity. The son of God who is able to reconcile us with himself. Because only he can do it. And he cares enough. He cares about you deeply. Even right now, I want you to know and I want you to remember that God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Yes, God loves you. And God cares about you. And God sees the pain that you go through. God sees your effort, God sees, God sees it all. And God is so moved. God is so moved when we just, when we come seeking him. Just imagine a God who was very patient with the children of Israel in the wilderness. And just imagine how, 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 how much would it have warmed God's heart if the children of Israel would have just, instead of complained, they just trusted God and they just praised him. If instead of doubting, they just trusted God and praised him. It it would have so warmed God's heart because our God is a compassionate God. Our God is a God who loves. He is love made flesh. And right now, I want to tell you that the presence of God is all around you. The presence of God is all around you. God's goodness and God's favor is chasing you. Don't run away from it anymore. God's forgiveness is seeking you. Don't refuse it, accept it. God's mercy is seeking you. Don't refuse it, accept it. God's grace is seeking you. Don't refuse it, accept it. And because God loves you, I want you to know what that means. That means that because he loves you, he's been patient with you. And because he loves you, he's going to help you. And because he loves you, he's gonna he's with you and is for you. And I want to read to you something else from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Let's start. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not with him also give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who even is at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor power nor present things nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to come back to verse 32 which says he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I want to remind you that God cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. And he really, really wants to help you. God wants to be involved in your everything. Let him in. He's knocking at the door. Let him in. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with him. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. That he is love made flesh. Receive him. Seek him. And you shall be overwhelmed. By his love. Because his love is overwhelming. Personally his love is so. Overwhelmed me. The more I dwell in God's word. The more I dwell in his presence. The more his love just overwhelms me. It's it's like. It's the best medicine. I, I like. I realize something. That I cannot go on my day without reading the Bible, without praying, without anything. It is a vital necessity. I cannot survive without it. I'm like, I'm as good as dead without it. I need the Lord, I need to be in his presence. And when I feel that love, when I feel the love of God, when I experience the love of God, God loving me in my brokenness, God loving me in my weakness, God loving me in my shame, God loving me in my pain, God loving me just from everywhere, and there's nothing I can do to add to his love. There's nothing I can do to decrease his love for me because that's how much he loves, and that's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. I don't don't want you to ever forget that, that God loves you. Now back to John three sixteen which says For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but they shall have eternal life. John fifteen says Greater love is no one than this, than to lay down his own life for his friends. That's what our God has done for us. He has given us life. Love is giving life. That's what he has done for us he has given us life instead of death he has given us the choice of life and I want us to come to an experience of who he is and of his love to just let it overwhelm us from the inside out I pray that the Spirit may open your eyes more and more to his love and let this love overwhelm you just through and through for the glory of God And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is love made flesh, that we have received grace for grace, love upon love upon love, goodness upon goodness upon goodness, just his love never ending. We have received him into our hearts and we've received the most wonderful thing ever. We've received the most wonderful, we have been welcomed into the most wonderful thing ever that is relationship with God. And I'm so amazed at how good God has been. And I I hope you got you got to learn something from this episode. And that you you take this and that you apply it in your life, like you meditate on this. Because Jesus says that he speaks of the sower. I, I usually refer to this, but he speaks of the sower. And he speaks of the seed being the word of God, which is preached. And uh, not all seed made it. In fact, <laughs> only a little bit of seed, uh, like one quarter of the seed made it. So there's a lesson in there that when we hear the word of God, let us have it and let us receive it. James says, let us meet. Let us res- humbly receive the implanted word of God, which is the power to save our souls it is a power to save our souls so join me next time as we're discussing the last in the last episode of the series we're discussing jesus the great high priest god bless you